Fly with Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the RoboHub podcast. In today's episode, we take to the skies with a company that is leading the way in small drone deliveries. Drones have regularly featured on RoboHub in recent years, from autonomous drones to the latest consumer quadrocopters to search and rescue drones, right through to the laws and regulations around drone use. One of the key markets for drones is small goods delivery, and we have mentioned some of the big companies such as Amazon being interested in this kind of technology, and it's come on leaps and bounds in recent years. Flytrex is a company already operating delivery drone systems in real-world settings and has developed the world's first drones that are controlled using a control center rather than a pilot. The company offers comprehensive autonomous drone delivery systems that enable any business from small local stores and restaurants to e-commerce giants to integrate instant autonomous on-demand drone delivery into their offering. Currently, they are operating in Iceland's capital Reykjavik, where they provide the world's first fully autonomous urban drone delivery service, which includes drone delivery right to your backyard, available to nearly half of all Reykjavik homes. As of 2018, the company is now also offering some services in the US, including the country's first ever golf course drone delivery service in North Dakota. Our interviewer Abate spoke to Yarif Bash, CEO of Flytrex, about their autonomous drones, their delivery service offer, their business model, and their plans for the 7.5 million US dollar Series B funding they recently received. Hello, and welcome to the RoboHub podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Yariv Bash, CEO and co-founder of Flytrex Aviation. Could you tell me a little bit more about Flytrex Aviation? So basically, Flytrex Aviation uh, does delivery drones. Uh, we're not a hardware company. We're more of a software company. We use a consumer, or not exactly consumer, industrial off-the-shelf drones, and we turn them into a fleet that's capable of delivering you your hamburger, sushi, or next iPhone in a fraction of the time and cost of any traditional on-demand delivery. And what type of services exactly do you offer? Uh, so we're now uh, starting our first steps in the U.S. as part of an FAA-approved pilot in North Carolina. And it's going to be pretty simple. Uh, you'll install the Flytrex app, Select which restaurant you'd rather order your dinner from. Select the, uh, the you know the, the items you want, and after approving your order, you'll receive your food within fifteen minutes or so, without getting out of your house. So then, are you selling the product to the restaurants and small businesses in uh, in the city that are interested, or are you selling direct to customer? Uh, the way that it works is that we, using a local partner, set up shop in a local shopping mall. And then we are able to service everyone, all the uh, restaurants and retailers in that uh, regional shopping mall. So basically, once we uh, 
We come to your town and have our first uh, uh, takeoff point in that shopping mall. We can basically deliver everything that you need from that uh, from that location. So then the shopping mall will be the center of the operations where all the restaurants are, and then the customers will then be spread across a larger suburban area? Uh, exactly. Today we can deliver roughly six pounds to three miles and then fly back, of course. Uh, but as technology improves, uh, we're actually now evaluating a new drone that will enable us to carry roughly 10 pounds to distances of up to five miles or so. And the nice thing, it's, you know, it's like a truck. You just select the best truck for the, uh, uh, for your fleet and you just procure it. There's no R&D costs involved in the, uh, in the hardware. And what type of drones are you providing exactly? So we're currently using uh, DJI drones, uh, not the, uh, the, the cute ones that you have in your house that you might have. We're talking about serious, big, industrial-grade drones with either six or eight motors that can sustain. They, they've got lots of redundancies. They can sustain a motor failure, a battery failure, uh, GPS redundancies. Uh, they're quite capable. They're very nice machines. And all these redundancies that are built in, uh, what is the purpose? Is it for safety? Is it for durability? Is it for added distances? So the redundancies are mainly for, for safety reasons. I mean, even today as we're getting started, the uh, costs for third-party liability insurance for flight wrecks are roughly half of what an Uber driver pays for his insurance. So drones are already safe, and it makes sense. We're talking about lightweight uh, vehicles that fly mostly above open areas. And the other option, the way that you get your food today, is with a human being driving a car or a vehicle that sometimes weighs a ton to your house, doing so 10 hours a day. That guy might be texting someone. He might have, you know, he didn't go to sleep last night or anything like that. So drones are already much safer. The redundancies uh, on top of the drone enable us to be even safer than that. So even if we have another failure, uh, we can still complete the mission safely. And these drones, are they being driven by a human operator or are they going completely autonomously? So that's the, uh, the actually the, the core technology of Flytrex. We've developed a fleet management uh, uh, software that's uh, actually nothing like anything else. Usually when you think about a drone operator, you envision someone holding a joystick with a virtual cockpit, you know, handling the drone second to second. Uh, our system is the exact opposite. Uh, it enables us to take just a regular Joe and after a one-day training session uh, to give him control of a fleet of drones flying above a city. And that's something that we've actually received approval for in a few regions. And next one is going to be in, in North Carolina in a few months from now. So this fleet operator, what are they controlling on the drones exactly? Are they Do they get any sort of live feed of what the drone is seeing? Or are they just adding oh, no, some no, waypoints? It's, uh, it's not, they don't even have the authorization to put a point on a map. All the, uh, the human operators have to do is install the package on the drone. The system tells them to install package number 18 on drone B and press the green button. That's it. From that moment on, we take care of the rest. The drone takes off automatically, flies towards the destination that was uh, pre-approved. 
Uh, once it gets there, the uh, customer approves that he's at the location willing to accept the package. Then the drone does not land, but lowers the package on a wire to the ground from 50 or 60 feet up in the air. In case the, uh, the end customer tries to pull the wire or the package, all he gets is the wire. The drone can just cut the wire and fly back home safely. And that way, a single FlightRex operator can handle multiple drones simultaneously. All he has to do is install the package, press the green button, and move to the next drone to do the same thing. And how does the autonomous system handle um, foreign objects that are coming in its direction, such as, say, another drone from a hobbyist or a bird or a pole or some other unexpected objects? Mm -hmm. So uh, we're... That's exactly the kind of things we're working on together with the uh, with the FAA in North Carolina. Uh, to start with, we've uh, surveyed the entire area, so we're pretty sure we won't uh, uh, we won't tackle anything that that that's ground based because we know where everything is at. Uh, in terms of uh, other airplanes or other drones, uh, we'll be connected to uh, what's called the UTM, an unmanned traffic management system, which will then uh, uh, tell us of any other objects that are flying nearby us. And this way we'll, we'll know both about ground-based objects and other drones and airplanes that are in the vicinity of our flights. So is this a sort of communication system between the drone that's being operated from Flytrex and the other ones? So basically everything uh, works through our servers. So uh, we, we control the fleet of drones, of, the, of our drones, uh, through our platform. And then our platform connects to the UTM like anyone else. So UTM, the UTM holds the, uh, the overview of what's happening now in the skies, uh, a bit like an air traffic control knows where each uh, airplane is at in each given time. And is every hobbyist drone then connected to the UTM as well? So uh, for uh, uh, drones that are not connected uh, in an active way to the system, we're going to have a radar that will enable us to identify uh, consumer drones or uh, you know, a fleet of, uh, of, of, of birds or anything else that does not comply, uh, does not actively communicate with the uh, UTM system. Mm -hmm. And in, uh, in talking about drones as a delivery service, oftentimes terms like last mile and last meter are used. Um, can you describe the significance of these mm -hmm. two concepts and how Flytrex fits in with those? So we'd rather call this service an on-demand service rather than last mile. Uh, last mile could be the uh, the FedEx truck that brought you something from the other side of uh, of the uh, of you know of the ocean, and they're doing the last mile in a, in a truck to your doorsteps. Uh, the way we envision the uh, the future is something we'd like to call instant gratification. And that's going to be your ability to receive almost any, anything you can order almost as fast as you can order it from your cell phone. And I think uh, in those terms, we're going to talk about on-demand rather than last mile. And in those uh, scenarios, the logistics center or the, uh, the location where the package arrives from is going to be not that far away from where you're at. Uh, in our case, it's going to be from a, a nearby mall directly to your house. Mm -hmm. 
And what about the concept of last meter as it relates mm-hmm. to robot and drone deliveries? Uh, so uh, some use the, the term last meter as the, uh, the small robot that then disembarks from the car and, and brings you your, uh, your package all the way to your, uh, to your doorsteps. Um, that, that's another option, even though uh, it's, the, you know, it's a lot easier uh, to have autonomous drones than it is to have autonomous cars and robots. The skies are so much clearer and, and open than the, uh, the ground is. Uh, so we believe that the, uh, uh, that the best solution for uh, deliveries in the, in the future is going to be the skies. And while we're flying, we're cruising at 200 feet or so in the air. Uh, we're basically invisible. You can't see us, you can't hear us. So it's also very, very quiet and clean. Mm-hmm. And so maps are readily available for ground travel as it is. Mm-hmm. What type of additional information is needed for a drone to, to safely fly around autonomously? Well, n- not that much. You'd, you'd be surprised. All we need is the... Uh, uh, is to know that there aren't any ground-based objects that are uh, in our flight routes, like uh, skyscrapers or huge antennas and those kind of things, or bridges. And besides that, just to have uh, a real-time image of anything else that, that's flying nearby us. Um, these are basically the things that we need. Another thing that's uh, pretty nice is that you try and fly above open areas. So it's also nice to know where the uh, uh, buildings are at and where there are open areas where you can fly above them. So in case everything fails, uh, we'll just hit, you know, an open area. And when you're analyzing these real-time images that you're getting from the drone itself? We, we actually don't, you... have, we don't have a camera on board. We don't need one. And for privacy reasons, it's a lot easier if we just don't have a camera. And how efficient is the radar then at, at detecting things coming from all directions, um, 360 degrees around it? So uh, that's, uh, that's something we're going to uh, review in the next few months. Uh, but even today, you've got pretty, pretty nice solutions that enable you to fly very safely uh, in a given area. Mm-hmm. And are there any other sensors that you're taking advantage of on the drones? So currently not. We've, we've actually haven't seen any mature enough technology that we can rely on. I, I mean, it's one thing to show a demo of something working, but we need high reliability if, we, if we'd like to use a, a, a certain technology. And I think that the FAA agrees with us that currently we haven't seen any technology that's mature enough to be installed on the drone to enable, uh, for instance, a passive sense and avoid from other flying objects. Mm-hmm. And if you were to analyze the video coming from a camera, but not store mm-hmm. it, um, just purely do it for real-time analysis of objects coming in their direction, mm-hmm. would that also be problematic? So then you've got uh, problems with uh, different weather situations. If it's a bit foggy, uh, at night you'll be relying on the other object to have a bright light and you also, you'll have a bit of a problem identifying the distance of that object from you. Uh, so cameras can cover some of the scenarios, but again, if we need something working, it has to be very reliable 
and walk day and night, dusk, dawn, in foggy situations, in rain. And again, we, we still haven't seen anything that we can, that we feel that we can really trust in all those different scenarios. Mm-hmm. And earlier you mentioned that the range of the drone deliveries was going to be a little bit constricted at the current mm-hmm. time to a, a closer range to the mall or the center where it's being shipped from. Are you doing mm-hmm. any research into, say, different types of drones that can travel further distances? So there are many, uh, many different drone manufacturers who uh, have uh, drones that can uh, travel even further than that. And we keep evaluating new drones. Uh, the drones that we're using have to be, uh, uh, we select them based on a few criterias. Uh, of course, their uh, uh, safety uh, history uh, and the distance and weight capabilities, but also the uh, their pricing, how much do they cost per unit and their availability. Can I now order another 50 units and get them in a week or two? Or are we talking with a small company that will take uh, a few months to uh uh, for them to, uh, you know, to uh, create a few more drones for us. Uh, so we, we currently chose to work with DJI. But again, as the uh, market evolves and uh, our needs evolves, uh, we'll, we'll continue to explore new, uh, new possibilities. So the drones that you're getting from uh, DJI, these are rotary wing drones that um, are able to lift vertically off the off of platform. Correct. Correct. And have you done any research into fixed-wing drones? And could you maybe elaborate on some of the differences between rotary-wing and fixed-wing drones? Uh, so we're looking at short-range deliveries. So for us, we, we don't really need the, uh, the fixed-wing uh, versions. Uh, we'd like our drones to uh, perform as many deliveries per hour as possible. Uh, a bit like an airliner would like to keep its... Uh, it's uh, aircraft as much as possible in the air, doing as many uh, flights as possible. Uh, in other scenarios, let's say delivery of blood samples or medical supplies uh, to rural areas or between different clinics, uh, in those kind of scenarios, I'm guessing that we'll see a lot more fixed-wing drones that are capable of, of flying much further than the rotary ones that we're using. And what type of goods are you planning on shipping with the current drone delivery system? So we, we're going to start with food deliveries, basically hamburgers, sushis, tacos, those kind of things. Uh, and the next step after that is going to be consumer goods from the, uh, from the shopping mall. It could be your next iPhone. It could be a, a shirt, your groceries, pharmaceuticals, diapers for the baby that you, you know, you need urgently uh, those kind of uh, items that we can then ship from the uh, from the mall. And why did you decide to go with food delivery first? Oh, it's, uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, restaurants, they know how to ship on demand. Once they get an order, they know how to handle that order as fast as possible. Plus, on the consumer side, uh, when you're ordering food, if you can get it in 15 minutes instead of an hour, that's a huge change for you. They're going to appreciate that from day one. So uh, you could say that that's the uh, lowest hanging fruit for us. Mm-hmm. And what cities are you currently operating in? So uh, in the next few months, we're going to start uh, operating in the town of Holly Springs in North Carolina. 
It's a suburb of Raleigh with uh, roughly 30,000 people. And are there any other cities that you're operating in already? So we're already operating in Iceland, flying above the capital of Iceland, Reykjavik. We've made a few hundreds of deliveries there to, uh, to people in uh, public locations and backyards. And hopefully in a few months, we're going to expand that pilot program uh, to most of Reykjavik. So what are some learnings that you got out of your pilot program in Reykjavik? So I think the, uh, the main thing that we realized is that it's better for the drones not to land in people's backyards uh, because you never know how's the, uh, how the customer is going to, uh, to behave. Is he going to uh, you know, tackle the drone or maybe break it? Uh, he might approach the drone before the propellers turn off. So the, the first thing that we've learned is that it's better to hover and lower the package on a wire to the ground. Uh, both in safety terms, but but also uh, in regards to the noise generated by the drone. If I'm hovering at 50 or 60 feet up in the air, I, I'm pretty pretty quiet. It's pretty nice. Uh, another thing that we've learned is that people get used to the service really fast. <laughs> so once you uh, start going uh, doing drone deliveries, it's it's quite hard going back to uh, waiting a lot longer for a human being to bring you your food. And then you have to get dressed and you have to start thinking about tipping the guy and with a robot drone that it's as simple as just, you know, picking up your package. You don't have to speak with anyone or tip anyone or even get out of your pajamas. Is there any difference between different cultures um, and maybe different demographics within a culture and their acceptance of using a technology like drone services? So that, that's a very interesting question. We've uh, tried deploying our service in a few different uh, countries, and it really depends on the, uh, the culture of, of deliveries. For instance, there are countries where credit card isn't that common, and people pay with cash on delivery. So that's, of course, something that's uh, a bit less relevant for, uh, for us. Uh, another thing that we saw is that in... Uh, some countries, uh, people from you know uh, uh, mid socioeconomic range and up, uh, uh, all the way to the upper socioeconomic uh, range, uh, usually have uh, a cook in their house, so they're not that accustomed to ordering food uh, from somewhere else. So uh, basically, we're mostly targeting countries where. People are already accustomed in ordering their food online using a credit card uh, all the way to their houses. Mm -hmm. And Flytrex recently closed their Series B funding. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Uh, so we uh, were fortunate enough to have uh, uh, two uh, nice funds to, uh, to lead the, uh, the round. We had uh, BGV. Benhamu Global Ventures, led by the uh, ex-CEO and chairman of both Palm and Tricom, Eric Benhamu. Uh, they've led the round and they were joined by B2V, uh, European-based based, uh, VC. And with those funds, we're going to uh, reach a point where we have at least one station working at full force, delivering goods and food to people here. Uh, 
in all the surrounding uh, neighborhoods. And that's going to enable us to show that drone deliveries are here, they're profitable, and people enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And is that the station that's located in the United States? Exactly. So that's the, uh, the station that will be located in uh, North Carolina. And will you be looking to delivering anything besides food in this time? So we're going to start with food, but the sky's the limit. After food, we can deliver everything. We, we can, let's say that you want to order a shirt from Gap, we will we'll be able to deliver it to you within 15 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And how does the drone know exactly where to drop off the delivery? So we uh, survey the, uh, the area beforehand, and we for each, uh, for each house, for each address, we then know the exact XYZ location for a drop-off in your backyard. So all you have to do is input your home address, and we take it from there. Mm-hmm. And so what data are you collecting exactly when you're surveying the houses? Uh, just basically uh, the XYZ locations of your uh, of uh, a suitable drop-off point in, in your backyard, GPS coordinates. Mm-hmm. And what type of buildings can a drone deliver to? So that's a very good question. We, we can basically deliver anywhere, but the best user experience is for uh, private houses with backyards, which is actually most of the uh, U.S. population. Uh, it's just the best user experience. Just open the, uh, the back door and retrieve the package. Uh, if you're living in an apartment building or a skyscraper, I'll have to send you either to your rooftop, which is not always available, or ask you to uh, go down the elevator and exit the building to uh, an open area where we can drop off the package. So currently we're focusing on uh, on suburbs mostly. Mm-hmm. And could a drone, say, deliver to a person's window directly in their apartment building? I wish. Uh, the, uh, the technology isn't there yet. And I'd be very hesitant to do so uh, because it then means that the drone really approaches you and your window and the building itself, which is uh, quite a hazard. And will you guys be moving away from being a hardware-focused company? So basically, we'd like to see ourselves as mostly as a software company. Uh, it's a bit like FedEx. FedEx, the, FedEx does not produce trucks, but they do need the know-how to evaluate the next uh, next track that they'll be using. So we do have hardware know-how within our, within our team, but we don't expect to be building drones uh, in the future. So then all drones and all sensor logging will be outsourced then to the different manufacturers, and you guys will just have a requirement of what data you need as inputs. Exactly. I just like to buy the, uh, the platform as, a, as off the shelf, and use it for deliveries. We, we focus on the uh, logistics and deliveries and the user experience. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's a business on its own. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much for coming in and speaking with us today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank, thank you so much. Fascinating. And that's the end of today's episode. As always, you can find all our content and lots more about Flytrex at robohub.org forward slash podcast. And remember, if you like what we do here at Robohub, you can support us by becoming a patron and giving a regular donation to the team. 
However big or small, whatever you can afford, even if it's just a few dollars a month, the price of a cup of coffee, it really makes a huge difference. Our current goal is to raise enough so we can send two interviewers to the flagship conference of the IEE Robotics and Automation Society, ICRA, in Montreal, Canada, later this year. You can find out more at robohub.org forward slash podcast. We'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Fly with Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics.